you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast. Can drop mad bars on a rap verse. Maybe. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, my boys? You know, on the list of uh, hosts on this show, I'd like to hear rap. Mark, you would you would top the list. I want to hear what you would do. We've heard it. I mean, I, you know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You forgot about my smash hit from what feels like 17 years ago, but really only a couple months ago, about a foreign kingdom. <laughs> yes, that that was stellar. Please look it up if you haven't heard it yet. Go dig through our archive until you find Mark rapping. This is the uh, Week 9 preview edition of the Around the NFL podcast. It happens, um, you know, during... A very interesting time in our country uh, during the election process as it, as it continues to unfold. And we're, you know, we're here to, to put your focus somewhere else. Of course, now there's a global pandemic also going on that is causing wreaking havoc in the NFL. So even that, even this bastion that we are supposed to have <laughs> is somehow affected by these serious real world problems. But listen, Greg, we don't need to dwell on the negative side of life. Let's let's skew positive. No, taping this show, I, I could use 90 minutes or whatever it's going to be of not refreshing uh, the internet. So hopefully the listeners can do the same. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Things feel light and airy. Um, I think <laughs> that there's a, you know, just a burgeoning sense of freedom uh, and optimism. So, I, you know, and I know my party line. There are some, you know, conspiracies out there floating around, which I know you love conspiracies, Mark. I don't know if you love the ones that are not prominent these. right now in our culture. But my conspiracy is like, When's the last time I had CNN on my TV for 19 hours a day for three straight days? This is being dragged out mm. in a way that is really helping uh, certain networks. And, uh, I, you know, that's the thing I'm keeping my eye on. Who's really involved? Greg, in still, has, Greg still has NFL Network locked on 21 <laughs> right. hours a day in his house. So I mean, no, who, no. who can be Andrew Siciliano? He's not touching. I like the Dan is going the, the Aisha Curry route, uh, throw, throwing the conspiracies that, you know, lengthening the. 
uh, things for the ratings. Come on. Is that Aisha Curry is out there dropping those bombs? Yeah, like she it. had a famously terrible tweet when the Warriors weren't getting some calls in the finals. Oh, oh yeah. Now I do remember that. Yes. Good call, Greg. All right. Let's get into week nine action and start with the game of the week. Sunday night football. Oh my goodness, Saints and Bucks! What a showdown between the Bucks team that everyone is loving, uh, even though they didn't look so hot against the Giants on Monday night. But you give them a little bit of a pass, uh, and the Saints who who are on a winning streak and they look like a team that's ready to take control of the division potentially. What are you thinking about in this game, Greg? I'm looking at when the Bucks have the ball. When they go on one of their long drives, and that's what they do inside the 10-yard line, is there any chance the Saints stop them? The Saints have the very worst red zone defense in the entire league, and Tom Brady and these Bucks are 22 for 22 when they get inside the 10, which is just an absolutely outrageous stat. And to me, that tells you you have an amazing offensive line. I, I just... I know I've mentioned it on the show, but I just don't think people appreciate how it's the key to this entire Bucks team. It's why they can survive with Chris Godwin out of the lineup. Maybe they get him back this week. Probably not, but they do get Antonio Brown. I trust their running game. And if Tom Brady has time, he's going to carve you up. When he's pressured, he the numbers say he's literally a below-average starting quarterback. So right now, I don't necessarily trust the Saints to get pressure on him. I know my guy Marcus Davenport, too, first. I don't see here. Saints Twitter honking about him anymore now that he's playing outstanding, but I don't think he's quite enough. You need more. You need Cameron Jordan. You need the other guys to step up, and I think it's a mismatch when Tampa has the ball near the end zone, Mark. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Giants get to Tom Brady a little bit. I mean, they they had to work themselves out a little bit of, of a funk against New York, but I just start to trust this team more and more. And, you know, Greg, you mentioned, like, the metrics, love the Bucks. what's not to love. I feel like they are morphing to something bizarre and wonderful week after week. Mm. And they are, they are, this is a, this is an interesting battle. I mean, cause Rob Gronkowski, back in week one, this team was not ready for, not ready to go against the Saints the same way. This is not the Rob Gronkowski that fought in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. Okay. This is, this is the Rob Gronkowski we've seen of old to some degree. And you talk about the red zone. He was a threat against New York. He's becoming a threat week after week. I think it's three games in a row with touchdown passes. Scotty Miller is starting to become juicy. Mike Evans, I could see a little bit more of him. But, you know, and I don't like this. I don't like that this is happening. But Antonio Brown's juicy? getting dished into the mix. I mean, these guys, they're all starting to contribute. It's the Tom Brady aura. And they've talked about it, that the offensive line, the way that they win games that they a year ago would have lost, that's the Tom Brady factor. And I think that if you're Bruce Arians, you're thinking right now, these Saints, you can unfurl an arrow into New Orleans, and you can separate mm. in the NFC South. And I'm telling you, this is this is something that the Bucks have not done, Greg. Since I think you were in that experimental phase back at Tulane, <laughs> you had an experimental phase in Tulane, Greg. Yes or no? I mean, at Tulane. After that, I'm still still experimenting. Uh, I mean, no, you're an old dad. It's way, over. I, uh, I want to see Drew Brees with his actual complement of wide receivers. I don't know if that, if it's ever going to happen, uh, but he he think it's happening this week. Okay, let's let's see. I mean, I, I feel like I'm conditioned at this point just to always assume Michael Thomas is going to be ruled out at some point, uh, several minutes before <laughs> the game. But Michael Thomas, no Marquez Callaway last week, no Emmanuel Sanders last week, and. 
Yes, and we talked about this last week. I understand he again did not attack the t- attack Chicago downfield. It was his first outdoors game, so that's going to feed into this narrative uh, that Drew Brees can no longer play the guitar at a high level when it really counts. Uh, but also, it's like maybe not enough is made of the fact that Drew Brees beat a good Bears team. Uh, without any of his wide receivers, essentially. And it's basically just leaning on Alvin Kamara, who is absolutely, I think, in the running. I know you hate this award, Greg. Uh, Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, it's a silly award. Why, why, what's the difference between MVP and Offensive Player of the Year? I don't know, but I guess it's just like to give a running back some love because we know they're not as valuable as quarterbacks, except for on the Saints. It's like all... Uh, like running backs don't matter except Alvin Kamara. He has 987 yards. No one else on the Saints has more than 400 yards receiving or rushing. I mean, he's more than double. Wait. It's outrageous. And, and I actually think it's a tricky matchup uh, when the Saints and Bucks play because I know you beat the Bucks by going over the top. That's not Drew Brees' thing. But you can see them going on a lot of long drives against this team because, like you said, I think Sanders is back, and I think Thomas and maybe Callaway are back too this week, Dan. I mean, in Bruce Arians, he looked at Alvin Kamara and said, I see someone more fierce than Marshall Falk. Now that's, that's saying something. I know these coaches like to pump up like the main player on the opposite, on the opposing team week after week. Who's fallen for that? But it's not, it's legit mm. with Alvin Kamara. No, he has played beautifully. He is a Hall of Fame level, level player, just like Marshall Falk. Uh, is a Hall of Famer. So I don't think he's one of those guys where you're, you're building a guy up so you can chop him down with a game plan that's keyed to beat him. I think when Kamara is right, and I know he's had a little bit of a foot issue, uh, this week, but it, uh, it seems like everything is all systems go. When he's right, he's just, he's gonna make plays and he's basically a lock now for, for a hundred yards from scrimmage and he's gonna beat you in the passing game a couple times. Uh, he's just really fun to watch and it, it reminds you how tough it was to watch him last year when all those injuries had slowed him to the point where he wasn't mm. making guys miss. Let's pick this game. Yeah, and the offensive line deserves a lot of credit, too. And, th- and that's why I do wonder if this... I think the Saints are going to keep this game close. I know the Bucks are heavy favorites. Um, it's the biggest game in the NFC South all year. It's one of the biggest games th- that we have for the rest of the year because whichever team wins has a significant advantage. Either the Bucks open up some distance or the Saints just swept the Bucks. And that's a huge advantage for them, too. And if there's one little fly in the ointment for the Bucks, it's actually their pass rush. Like JPP and Shaq Barrett, they got the big names. It, it, they're not quite getting it done this year. And so if you give Drew Brees a little time, you could have those long drives. I would expect a very close game. Seems like each week Devin White makes up for a little bit of the pass rush with some sort of phenomenal play that blows up quarterback, running back, or somebody, and he'll do it again. To you, Dan. The desert says they're high on uh, the Bucks, which surprised me. Let's pick the game here. Greg. I'm, I'm going Bucks, but just by three points. All right. Mark? I'm going to go. I'm going to go Bucks. I think they'll win it by a touchdown. Uh, it, there's no way they come out of this swept by New mm. Orleans. I'm with you. I, I like the Bucks in this a lot. I think they're going to take care of business at home with all due respect to the Saints who are going to be around in the end. All right. Sunday Night Football in the can. Now we start our draft for Sunday, the late and early games. Mark, you get us going. The precious first overall pick. And I like a little bit of NFL history with my top overall pick. So I'm going to go Baltimore, Indianapolis. Anyone who isn't five years old should know that the 
Indianapolis Colts were once the Baltimore Colts, and the Baltimore Ravens, well, they came from somewhere else, Cleveland, and they came to Baltimore. So this is there's, there's a lot of that going on. I like that. This game has another special appeal that if you know me, I am tracking this as what should be the quickest game of the week. Uh, Baltimore <laughs> ranks in the bottom 10 of plays per game. They like to run the ball, obviously. They are air-challenged right now. The Colts rank 20th in that category. They can't run very well, but they, they like to eat up the clock as well. So I see a methodical game between two teams that really the it's strength on strength because the Colts I know, I think their defense was a little inflated early in the year against some weaker opponents I, I'm not ready to call them like a top five defense but with Darius Leonard back they are completely different last week against Detroit he had, he had a game changing strip sack I think he's a big factor against a Ravens team that has offensive line issues right now they are missing their left tackle Ronnie Stanley Tyree Phillips is on IR their right guard so they've got issues there they've got a bunch of linebackers dealing with Corona stuff and having them hopefully you know, get in maybe a Saturday practice before the game. That's a little messy, but if there's a team I trust to come out ready to go, it's the Ravens, and, and probably mm. furious after that Steelers game. They did run the ball in the second half against Pittsburgh really well. 200-plus yards, that's who they are. I trust them to go and challenge Indy in every way on that front. Darius Leonard might be the secret sauce for the Colts to slow that down. Am I crazy to think that the Ravens <laughs> are a team that I'm going to lock up right now. I'm filling the producer for a little bit of a loop because I got <laughs> yeah, something yeah. else, but I just got that feeling. I like I'm going that, to Ravens. Mark. They're and not going to lose two weeks in a row here. And we, and the reason that you, that happened is because I could feel, I could sense you getting more and more animated and excited. And then when you do end your point with saying, am I crazy? That means you're really strong. <laughs> so it was all there. All the breadcrumbs are there. I kind of like all this lock. I, I like it. I, I thought about it myself. Because the Ravens, obviously, they're coming off a game where they're, they're really upset. They blow a 10-point lead to their rival. Lamar plays poorly with the four turnovers. And, you, and Marquise Brown is upset. And, you know, you lose your left tackle. And now your your star corner, Marlon Humphrey, obviously, he tests positive for the coronavirus. It's a really bad week. But good teams uh, that are well-coached tend to bounce back well from really bad weeks. And... Can I say, Greg, that I am totally on board with the Indianapolis Colts? I'm starting to get there, mm-hmm. mostly because Phil Rivers is playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, in my opinion. Uh, but at the same time, that game against the Lions, that's a 2014 game with the Lions driving for the go-ahead score late in the third quarter before Darius Leonard makes that big-time play. Uh, but So this team hasn't been dominant, really, all season. No, I'm not all the way there. I picked them to win the Super Bowl just as a bit of wish casting, and I, I don't really feel that confident in them. This is a show-me-something game, though, for both teams. I mean, the, the Ravens, they lost last week, but they have to feel good that they played their best half of football by far of the entire season against Pittsburgh in the first half and uh, made some mental errors. They've had some injuries go against them. It's a show-me-something game for Phillip Rivers, though, more than anyone. Like, we know now after the last two games against some pretty bad teams who can't rush the passer, who play zone defense, the Bengals and the Lions. Okay, uh, Phil Rivers can still carve up bad defenses, and we didn't know that. Like, that, that is important. Can he carve up the Ravens? Because the Ravens defense is better on balance this season than they were a year ago. They have not fallen back uh, defensively, and they're not going to let Phillip Rivers just sit back there and pick 
them apart like he did the last couple weeks. So it's a big time test for their offensive line, their protection issues, because it worries me as a Philip Rivers backer that they've got you no are. running game. They're fourth in the lead uh, in net yards per attempt passing. They're dead last in yards per carry rushing. So Philip Rivers is really carrying this team in a way offensively I, I did not expect. And I don't necessarily think it's very sustainable. So I'm with you on this lock. I'm not making it my lock. But like Dan, I, I it was kind of my backup lock. So there's a little info. And I know they lost Marlon Mack, obviously, early in the season to that Achilles injury. And that's terrible. But, you know, when you have an offensive line that the Colts have, we, we talk about the, this offensive line in hushed tones. You would think the running game would be able to get going. They have Jonathan Taylor, who uh, a lot of people like as a prospect. There should be guys that are able to make plays, uh, but it just hasn't happened. And I, I'm I kind of on the same page in the sense that, like, all right, Philip Rivers playing better, and he's been a lot more efficient, and is cutting down on the mistakes the last couple of weeks. But do you want? Uh, nearly 39-year-old Philip Rivers like anchoring your offense at this stage? That doesn't seem like a Super Bowl recipe. Wasn't that supposed to be the whole thing they weren't going to do to Philip right. Rivers? You know, we, we're going to we're going to put you in this great environment. I would ask from the other side because there's just as much pressure on Lamar Jackson, and I think he was pretty down on himself after that game. You know, with what happened through the air, and you got Marquise Hollywood Brown tweeting, and then you know the coach is going out to Marquise Hollywood Brown saying, "Please delete that tweet. Not helpful." You know, talking about I need to be a soldier and be involved in the in the whole process. Like, do we see some force passes maybe to Brown out of the gate? Um, I just can see that that's the way the NFL. NFL works sometimes. Unhappy player, squeaky wheel. We address it. We get that out of the way. We move into what we are, which is a run-heavy team. That's what they are. And they ran the right. ball it's very a tough well team last to go week. deep against. Right. It's a tough team to go deep against too. This Colts team and and Lamar right now. The, you know, the book on him coming into this season, can he get better outside the numbers? Right now, he is second to last in completion percentage outside the numbers, only uh, better than Mitchell Trubisky. So it, that's partly skewed because they go deep so often. It's not going to be a high percentage, but he needs to be more consistent. This is one of the toughest matchups he's had uh, in, against this Colts defense. Yeah, so we all like the Ravens. But yes, show me something game and Lamar. What does Lamar Jackson have after uh, what happened against Pittsburgh? This is a good one. You know, I'm thinking about it a little bit more because I, I get it, Greg. The offensive player of the year thing's annoying. Uh, what about if you made it playmaker of the year and then it's wide receivers, tight ends, running backs all sure. in the grouping? Feels like the thing I don't like is sometimes the quarterbacks win both and it's the same quarterback and then some years it's not. It doesn't really have any rhyme or reason. I just see it as like best picture, best director, and it's like, okay, we kind of like <laughs> two, so we're going to give one to one of you and one to the other, and it's exactly. quarterbacks probably getting MVP. Um, all right. I am up next in the draft. This is a no-brainer for me. I was hoping uh, I would get the chance to take Seattle at Buffalo. Uh, Seahawks obviously coming off. A win where you saw some progress on both sides of the ball, which they kind of needed. And the Bills, listen, they beat the Patriots, and uh, that's important for that franchise. It was the first time they beat New England in their building in Orchard Park in nine years, which is insane. But that just tells you the dominance of the Patriots over the past two decades and how that's changing. However, however, are the Bills okay right now? That's a very... Honest question to ask. So uh, I will set this game up for you, gentlemen, with an old game that we like called Who Do You Trust? And here you go. Who do you Ooh. trust? Josh Allen and the Bills offense right now against what's been a historically bad Seattle defense for most of the year or a Seattle defense that now is getting back Jamal Adams most likely 
to string together a second straight solid performance after uh, doing the thing against the Niners in Week Eight. Hmm, it's a tough one. Who do you trust? I- I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Josh Allen and the Bills, but I I don't feel great about it. Last week, I think you can kind of throw away. Uh, in terms of their deep passing because the wins were so crazy. I actually think that was their best offensive game against the Patriots for a while. This matchup uh, sets up very differently. I think you attack Seattle through the air. The weather's going to be fine in Buffalo. I, I see the Bills as kind of finding their level, that they were never a top-five offense. People, we got we got a little overexcited. They are also aren't like the 28th-ranked scoring offense, which if you do the numbers over the last month, that's what they are. I think against Seattle, even with Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlop back, I think they're a solid passing team. I trust them a little more. And I need more than one game out of Seattle uh, being good against three quarters of a hobbled up Jimmy Garoppolo to go, uh, you know, give them any lollipops. What about you, Mark? Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think the Bills offense has just kind of changed. They started as a top 10, you know, pass heavy attack, you know, through the first month of September, four games or so. And they're now, you know, top 10 in running. And I know last week was, you know, weather impacted. And, but I think that's a positive, too, that Devin Singletary and you've got Zach Moss back and he played really well last week. And Josh Allen, I mean, they, they piled up 200 yards against a Patriots defense that we used to like. I don't think that is the same defense right now. So I trust Seattle's defense with Jamal Adams back because mm. it's environmental, too. Seattle's going to go score a ton of points on a Buffalo defense that isn't the same either. I mean, basically at this point, we've said it week after week, you know, there are like 25 defenses in the NFL that I don't trust, and those teams are still winning games. So do I trust Josh Allen to suddenly turn it back and catch on fire and hang with Seattle? Mm. No, I do not. So you trust the Seattle defense here? I trust Seattle's defense to do enough to keep Buffalo at bay. Buffalo's not going to explode here and be the story of the game offensively. So, for the reasons Greg said, the Seahawks, they deserve credit because they've been waiting all year for them to have a game where the defense plays an active role in a win. So, you get it against the Niners, but it's also like, you know, we saw it was a an apocalyptic situation for San Francisco where Garoppolo re-injures his ankle, George Kittle goes out, uh, and you had him on the road, and they just basically folded up 10. So, I'm not there yet where I could trust them, even with Jamal Adams there because uh, Adams is a gifted playmaker, but he also was playing defense for the Seahawks the first three weeks when they were getting torched at that stretch of the season as well. So I'll go with the, uh, I trust the Bills and Josh Allen, maybe not so much, but I trust the offense. The The running game was a real problem for the Bills in, uh, in the first few weeks. Maybe not a problem because they were just leaning so heavily on the pass with Josh Allen, but they were entered, they were uh, 29th in football in rushing entering week eight, but they put together back to back season best performances now uh, with that running back tandem. So I'm expecting them to continue to run the ball well, and maybe that sets Josh Allen up to bounce back and have a nice statistical game. I kind of like the Bills here. Hmm. I do. I disagree. I, I like them. Okay. I disagree. I'd say like there's a little factor called Carlos Dunlap. I know that people think maybe he's not the same guy. I think he's a good fit for Seattle, brings a little pass rush. You throw that the pass rush comes through Jamal Adams on that team. So it's just Mm. it's two players that they didn't have a week ago. And who is who is stopping Seattle's offense? I know that's not the either or here, but it's just that Seattle can withstand all sorts of inflicts inflictions to its defense. Right, that's the thing. I, I trust 
Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's like an experiment right now. How far can three players carry the other 50 that are on the active <laughs> roster? It's Russ, it's Lockett, it's DK Metcalf against a Bills defense that hasn't showed me much of anything. I know you got Matt Milano back. You guys think that he's just going to save everything, but that's just one player. That's not going to change everything, and that's why I'm locking up the Seahawks on the road. Oh, I like it. That's and this, why I almost went. And this is notable because Greg has started the season with eight consecutive locks, which is a it's mm. history for our podcast. So when he bets, a, uh, well, he doesn't bet. When he picks a team right now, you <laughs> better listen. And now I'm not feeling so good. But remember, people of Western New York, <laughs> that the old Zeusers got your back. I picked the Bills. All right. Up next. <laughs> Oh, the, the old Zeus or the Jets fan. He's got your back, Buffalo. But no, it even shows more that I'm all about picking what I like uh, in a game. And I, I think the Bills got it. All right, Greg, you're up. All right. I am so glad to be watching a little Cardinals versus Dolphins in the late afternoon window. was hoping this would be available for me because too much of the 2020 season, and it's one of the most surprising things about 2020 in the NFL, has been predictable. If you go look at the preseason predictions, all the teams that were supposed to be good are good. Uh, All the teams that are supposed to be bad pretty much are bad. It's been kind of a chalk year, you know, except these two teams. These two teams are very different than they were in 2019, and they're a lot better. The Dolphins, I'm I'm fascinated by even before they went to Tua Tungavailoa because Brian Flores is a rare defensive coach now who gets wins with his scheme. I mean, he cooked up Jared Goff. He was so aggressive in that game. It reminded me also of the 49ers game where at their very best, the Dolphins can look unbeatable. It's kind of like a Kyle Shanahan type of edge on offense where there's some weeks where he just brings the heat and there's nothing you can do about it, at least if you're Jared Goff. Now, is that approach going to work against Kyler Murray? Probably not, but if you if you watch one game a year ago um, against the Cardinals where Kyler Murray really struggled with the blitz, he's also a guy who wants to ha- get rid of the ball quickly, wants to know what he's looking at, and you're going to have to run the ball if you're Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. So to me, it's a fascinating matchup, especially when Arizona has the ball. I think it's it's like they gave up 450 yards to the Rams, but they also like caused complete and total havoc, to your point, Greg. I think that if you're facing the Rams for the rest of the season, you look at what Brian Flores and that defense did and you copy it because you gave basically instructions on how to neutralize the Los Angeles quarterback. And Miami is a mentally tough team. They won that game with Jakeem Grant on special teams. It was their defense. It was their pass rush. And it kind of overshadowed the fact that Tua... You know, and, and we want to see more. It's not you don't you don't judge after one game. Their offense was flat. Their offense didn't cross a hundred yards till midway through the fourth quarter. They have issues at running back right now. Uh, I just don't trust this offense at all. But I'm not sure it matters if they continue to play the way they can. The thing is, what you can do to Jared Goff, you can't do to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray invites the blitz because then he takes off into open spaces and tortures you. But the Dolphins have this sort of no name defense of guys that most people have never heard of who are making plays week after week. Emmanuel Ogba has been basically like a top 10 player when it comes to pressuring and causing nuisances and havoc for quarterbacks. This Dolphins team is growing more dangerous by the week. I, I love what's how this week's shaping up because, well, maybe I won't after the games are played, but I am on the opposite side of the fence of uh, the sizzler and the old boss with a lot of things this week. I love the Cardinals in this game. And all due respect to the Dolphins, and they're on a winning streak, and they, and they, they played really well 
well, they played well getting a pick six and putting some pressure on Goff, and they got a punt return for a touchdown. The first punt return for a touchdown that we've seen all season. How weird is that? I feel like that used to happen once a week, but um, it hasn't happened until uh, last Sunday. Anyway, like the Cardinals a lot here. I think uh, they're at home. Hmm. Tua did not do anything in his debut. We have no, uh, we have no reason to suspect he's going to now hit the ground running and light up the Cardinals on defense, which is not a very good defense, and they don't have a great pass rush, and there's no Chandler Jones. But they did get after Russell Wilson in their last game before the bye at the end of that game uh, to help force the win. So maybe get a little bit of of that. Buda Baker makes a play, and then Kyler Murray goes nuts against the Dolphins defense. Uh, That is fine, but we're not talking about the 85 Bears here. I'm locking up the Cardinals, and I'm doing it with confidence. I feel good about this one. Very good. I actually picked the Cardinals to win this game, to be clear. Um, oh, I, I, I'm with you. That, you like the run game. The, the, well, I was, I'm excited to watch it because I don't know what's going to happen. And these two teams are so different. But the running game, uh, that's the way to beat the Dolphins. They're dead last in, in rushing defense. And uh, Kyler on the ground, Kenyon Drake on the ground. I'm just saying it should be fun. I expect more out of Tua, though. I, don't, I think they played to the score a little bit. And, and we'll see what he does in his second start. Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Uh, For this game, we're going to go back to the primetime slate. Monday night football, Jets, Patriots. These usually don't turn out very well for my Jets. Uh, It's a a different setup than past years because the Patriots are no longer the Patriots. But the Jets are no longer the Jets either. The Jets went from being... You know, a bad team to a middling team. They're pretty to jetsy to me. A pot- yeah, a potentially historically bad team. You shush, Greg. Your team's no good anymore either. <laughs> so that's why the game is different. The Patriots went from good to mediocre to bad. The Jets went from bad to historically awful. Uh, still seems like advantage New England. Is that, so you're not buying, Dan, the Belichick quote that they're significantly better, the Jets are, than they were a year ago, which was like a sneaky shot in a way. <laughs> well, of course, that is so that. Belichick. <laughs> but I, I kind of get what he's saying on some level. It, first, maybe he was talking about that first meeting where the, where the Jets were totally a mess and it was the scene ghost game. Um, a lot of the Jets last year felt like a mirage, and I think – even when they were winning games, you didn't see Sam Darnold really correct some of the mistakes that the Patriots exposed on this Monday night football game in terms of seeing ghosts, and you're still seeing that. And I know he's a little banged up right now, but Sam Darnold is expected to start. Uh, and it's a game that, in theory, matches up well for the Patriots defense, who are good in the back end and are just the worst Patriots run defense ever. I mean, it's it's supposed to be a defense that stops the run, and they just have no one up front right now. No one in their front seven. And is is Frank Gore and Michael Pirine going to expose that? Maybe, because it's just like bad on bad, and the Patriots' run defense is that bad right now. That I, I'm not assuming anything with this Patriots team in, in terms of having a comfortable win. I mean, I like, hold on, though. I mean, Belichick week after week, and he's done this every week this season— he goes and glows over one player that they're facing. We just talked about this on a previous game. And this time he just pointed to the entire Jets team because there isn't really one player to pick at this point, let's be honest. I mean, you got Adam Gase, whose main skill, in my opinion, is basically uh, lighting the house on fire and walking out the back door. I'm not sure what is going on with this team. But I, I look, you know, the Patriots, if we want to say that they lack this and that, they do. I mean, they had four undrafted free agent wide receivers starting the game last week with 
Julian Edelman out. They still took the Bills to the final minute, and that cam fumble, had that not happened, I think they would have won that game or taken it into overtime. So they find a way. I don't trust the Jets to find a way. And Dan, I hate this because I, I went through this as a Browns fan too, but you almost need to just go into the darkest, farthest reaches and not have them go on some lame winning streak and have them beat the They're Patriots. They're not going on a lame and, winning streak no, this year. I'm the telling only you, reason though, it happened last year was because the schedule was extremely soft, and that is simply just not the case with the 2020 Jets. I'm just concerned about one thing, and this is this is a conspiracy theory separate of all the other ones that our country is offering at the moment. This scenario that if Belichick found a way to allow you know Gase and Darnold to sneak a little win here, and then they play them again in Week 17, you look at the rest of New England's schedule. This is New your England scenario. Could mine its way. I'm saying this is my scenario. This the, the New England could mine its way and mastermind Bill Belichick fashion to outbid the Jets for that number one pick. And then, meanwhile, you've got Adam Gase telling his grandchildren, I beat Bill Belichick twice in one season. Yeah, but you totally <laughs> took the organization out of out of the offering for the great quarterback what in the draft. What are we talking I don't, about? This is, I don't know, because the, the Jets, well, that would be the most Jets thing you could do, is to beat New England when you've got to essentially go 0 for for the rest of the season. Come mm-hmm. on, Jets. Not necessarily over. I'd like them to get one win, honestly. So if they, because uh, I still think that will get them uh, the number this one. This might pick. be their most winnable so game the rest me, of the year. If you look at it on paper, this is it. This is yeah, their best chance. That's right what now. I want. I want the Patriots to go down in flames in prime time against the Jets, and then the Jets can lose out, or Sam Darnold could play well the rest of the year, and then you have a different decision to make. I do have a a concern. Okay, my concern here is that the Sam Darnold era is on the ropes right now. Uh, and he's banged up. It's a it's a shoulder issue. I think it's a little bit more than a minor issue, but it's something he's trying to play through, uh, and he's shown some toughness, but I think it's not going to help his play this season. And I'm concerned that Bill Belichick is going to have the right scheme here, and it's going to be another very embarrassing performance, not just for Adam Gase and the Jets as a whole, but Sam Darnold, and then it's officially mm. game over uh, for the Darnold era. Either he plays terribly and then gets hurt and he's out for another six weeks or something, or he's just so bad that it's becoming it becomes increasingly clear it's Trevor Lawrence time or whomever. So mm. that's, as a Jets fan, that's what I'm assuming is going to happen here, and then anything that doesn't happen in that realm will be a pleasant surprise. I, I think he's been there, and there's there's been some reasons to at least he's going to be with Adam Gase. We're never going to see him with the Jets um, without Adam Gase until after the season, and I think it's going to be too late because I don't think he's regressed that much. I think he was playing as one of the worst quarterbacks in the league late last year, and and that he's still there. and And this is a game where I'm also curious um, to watch to see if what the Patriots found in the second half was anything you know permanent because Damian Harris is running really well. Uh, they, they did pick a, you know, Cam Newton, I thought, played pretty well in that game. And so can they get anything together uh, against the Jets? This is the week to do it. Look at Damian Harris breaking tackles. Cam Newton fought hard in that game. Yeah. He's not going to give up. I, I've loved his attitude. It's kind of funny how, you know, he's gotten some criticism over the years about his attitude. And that's the one thing I think everyone in Boston kind of loves about Cam Newton. But it's his play that, that has been erratic, to say the least. Maybe you're thinking of the last couple of games of last year, Greg. But Darnold was making progress for stretches of last year. They were throwing, they were going on touchdown drives to start games. None, all that stuff's gone. I think he's undeniably regressed with the rest of the Jets this year. Um, and I just hope it doesn't lead to more embarrassment in prime time. We'll see. That was the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, back to the draft now, and it snakes to you, Rosie. 
All right. I'm going to go with Bears, Titans in the early games on Sunday. I think this is a sneaky fun game because it's hmm. strength on strength and weakness on weakness. When when the Bears have the ball, like this is their week to get off. And I know they have offensive line issues, and maybe that's just going to be fatal for this team, whether it's injuries or COVID. They're not right up front. They haven't been great. But they're playing a Titans defense where Nick Foles can finally – Hopefully for him, get a little bit of time in the pocket. For all the criticism Foles has taken, he has played a brutal slate of good defenses. And I actually thought he made a lot more good throws uh, against the Saints than people uh, gave him credit for. Escaped a couple fourth down situations, escaped a third and 15, a third and 19. And Mitchell Trubisky now has a shoulder injury, which sounds serious. So it's going to be Foles the rest of the way. And this is a chance against one of the worst third down red zone defenses of all time. They cut Vic Beasley, which is wild. They had given him $9 million. Good That's riddance. how big a disaster of a signing uh, that that was. And then when you flip it around, the Titans, when they have the ball, uh, the best red zone offense, third down offense in the league against one of the best uh, red zone defenses that we've seen in a long time. So it's like strength on strength, no matter who has the ball. I mean, these strength on strength games, though, they look awesome to us when we're previewing the games and then something goes wrong and one of the strengths don't show up when they actually play them. And I and I have to say, which team, which overall, you know, operation do I trust right here? You know, I know what happened. We already did. Who do you trust? Mark, sorry. Oh, well, I'm just telling you that (laughs) it should be clear to you. I trust the Titans more here. You're not dealing with, you know, Joe Burrow this time. You're dealing with Nick Foles and he's been throwing, you know, under seven yards per attempt for like six games in a row. And so I do think they fought hard against New Orleans and it becomes a board of just a pile on Chicago's attack week after week. We can all see that they're wanting, uh, you know, I feel bad for guys like Allen Robinson in the middle of that whole thing who, you know, I, it's, you put him somewhere else and the whole situation is different for him. I, I, to me, t- the Titans, he, you know, if you're t- Tannehill, you can deal with pressure. He can deal with it. He's one of the better in the league at unfurling a beautiful pass with someone right in his face. So that's a little bit of a different edge against Chicago's mm. defense that keeps teams in these games. I trust Derrick Henry in this game. So, I just, To me, Tennessee is not going to want to lose two in a row here. And that factors in. They're just going to come in here. They're as, bully, they're as bully-centric as the Bears could ever wish to be. Well, the Bears don't want to lose three in a row. But if you, all right, so put it. If well, we're, they may not be in control of that. If we're bo- if we're bored of piling on the Bears offense, then let's start piling on the Titans defense more because, like, what a mess! It's a it's a mess right now, and I think it's been covered up uh, because the Titans offense has been fun and they've been winning. But now, when you you throw a loss in there, you start to really uh, get concerned because how do you how does this happen? You're playing a Cincinnati offensive line that is missing four of their five starters to injury from the prior week. And you do not get a single sack of Joe Burrow. You you hit him twice the entire game. And that obviously, that's the impetus. That's why Vic Beasley, they finally said, get out of here. If you don't want to be here and you can't make a play, we don't want you in the building. So take our money and get out of our life forever. The old Trumaine Johnson Oof. treatment. But now how about Jadavian Clowney steps up? Make a play, Clowney. Uh, you are, I don't know if you're aware of this, Jadavian. You're in a contract year again. And if you go through this season not making any impact, uh, you are not going to get paid. And I don't want to pile on him either because it seems like I do. But he's he's a part of the issue. You did. So hopefully, you know, you get secondary help from Desmond King. I don't know what kind of immediate impact he can make. But that side of the defense needs to improve too. This is a unit that is not going anywhere unless they get fixed. And that's on Vrabel, who's technically the D coordinator. And, and they're counting on their offense to be one of the best in the league. And it is. But we haven't seen... 
a long stretch here without uh, their tackles. It's a totally different tackle starting group right now after Taylor Lewan got hurt. So you have the first round pick, Isaiah Wilson, who was on the COVID list forever. He's back and you have Ty Sambrillo. Like, my, the early returns last week against Cincinnati were not impressive. And I think if you're looking for a bit of a weakness on Tennessee's uh, offense, it's definitely up front. And here come the Bears, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn's up and down. But, like, these guys can keep it close. The Bears have maybe as many impressive wins this year as the Titans. We're almost we, I've almost slept on the Bears too much because if you just look at the results— they're, they're pretty solid results, and the Titans haven't really put together a complete game all year other than that one Bills game. They let everyone in these games. They never blow teams out whether they're good or they're bad teams. If the, if the Bears won this game, I'd have, to, I'd have to personally look at them a little differently. I think part of it is that we all see them as a team that's trying to get through an NFL season with a completely different makeup than 31 other teams for the most part. They're trying right. to play like it's 1972, and it's not just that's not fun to watch. I'm fine with that if it works except I think that the offense leaves this defense, a very good defense, it holds them hostage week after week. And you're like, at some point, someone's going to break through and score 20 points against you, and it's a fatal blow. You're done. All right, let's move on to the next game. Way to put a punctuation on that, Sessler. I loved it. Real right. <laughs> classic Sizzler there. Um, I'll go with, uh, let's see, the Raiders at the Chargers. Pretty good. Pretty good value by uh, with the with the uh, sixth pick here, I like um, I like the Raiders how they went about their business against the Browns. That they in terrible conditions, thirty five mile per hour wind, rain, sleet. You're on the road; it's just nasty. And they said, "Okay, we're just going to run the football. We're going to control time of possession. We're going to whack you uh, when you catch the ball." It was just like a nice physical effort from the Raiders that showed me a little side of their personality that I wasn't quite aware of entering week eight so yes the Browns as we've talked about uh, Mark they're very up and down they're good they're bad so maybe they caught the Browns in a bad week so I shouldn't be too impressed but I was I I like the way they played that game and now you get the Chargers who I don't know I don't know what to say about the Chargers after they they blow a 24 to 3 second half lead I I would say uh, if it happened to another team maybe you show up angry here and you just whip up on the Raiders that's certainly possible because Justin Herbert has been a revelation but it's also equally possible they're up 28 to 17 with three minutes to play and they lose so I can't trust them the trust is becoming a major theme of uh, today's episode well, I, I like what you said about the Raiders. I think that Gruden. I know that I know that you know they've been more aggressive through the air, and that's because you know they've had to win games where they are being scored on, and so that's going to force you to be more aggressive. They're almost the flip of the Bears in a way, where it's like I found it offensive that they that they allowed Denver back into that game. The defense you cannot count on, while the offense is one of the most watchable, enjoyable passing attacks I can remember of the past five ten years. I mean, they simply are going to will their way to points and Justin Herbert has been absolutely unbelievable to the eyes and he's making throws and doing things that I mean I, I don't you know I I can't really even find a comparison for him at this point he's his own guy and so I, I like the idea that the Chargers are going to be in every single game the Raiders though that's what Gruden wanted to be against Cleveland I think and Josh Jacobs woke up it was his best game of the year they were the tougher team in bad weather it said a lot about the Raiders it made me think about them very differently and they're coming off mm. a few weeks of beating the Chiefs as well this team is this team is a real threat for a wild card spot and they you never know what can happen at that point they are a weird tough team 
it's so impressive what Herbert's done. I think he's he's having the best rookie quarterback season of the last decade so far. And and yes. one of the reasons is because of the matchups that he's had. He's played really tough opponents. He's played some of the best defenses in the league, and then fi- now he finally gets a matchup where he should be protected much better. I mean, it's a cupcake matchup against the Raiders usually most weeks, and there's no reason to think he won't bomb them out. And like that they have the edge, but there's something more going on with the Chargers. It's cosmic. I mean, this is where I'm sounding more <laughs> like Sessler. You can't, you can't measure whatever the Chargers have. It's a crazy disease. It's a variance. It's it's an up and a down thing that's you can't do it. And the Raiders are sort of the opposite. To me, they're kind of a, this steady, mature team that's built up over the last. Like I just trust them more as a tougher mental team. Whereas the Chargers, I don't know. Whatever they have going on, they need to get rid of. It's it. yeah, the Charger. It's been happening for years. But some, sometimes you could also argue that when an otherwise level-headed analyst like a Greg Rosenthal blames it on the Cosmos, he's covering for the fact that he likes the head coach, uh, but the head coach actually isn't that good, and he plays a role in these collapses as well. Fair or no? Hmm. Uh, I, think that's, sure. I think that's fair, Greg. Defensively, sure. I mean, Anthony Lynn, I give him credit because Anthony Lynn probably wanted to win games 16, 14 and run the ball, you know, 40 times a game. You lose Austin Eckler and he's been flexible to allow the team to be what they are with their great quarterbacks. So that's that's points earned with me. But the defense has been a a wild, hot mess on fire in all the wrong ways. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to make up for that. And it leads to these. It is coaching. You don't it isn't it can't be. It's not all mysticism. Uh, it, It can't be. It has to be the fact that some teams learn and get into the groove and know how to close games. That's what the Bucks said about Brady. We would lose these games if we didn't have him, his presence, the whole aura. So it's mysticism, player, coach, the whole thing mixed together, Dan. A wild, hot mess on fire. All right, we keep going. Mark Sessler up next in the draft. Well, I'm going to go uh, Carolina at Kansas City. And, you know, I, I you got to be real with, with these teams. And I, I love my Matt Rule, but my thing with the Panthers, they have, they have struggled to close games of late. They're, they're pretty good. At, they don't, what I like about them is they don't get blown out. They hang around. They do a lot of things pretty well. And they're there in the fourth quarter, but they've lost three in a row by what would be one score if you had a touchdown and a two point conversion. So I feel like at that point, they're just one of these teams that might be, you know, a year away from really threatening. Um, to me, I look at, I know that, I know what happened last week against the Falcons, but, I'd point to the Saints game two weeks ago, which was a really interesting contest for the Panthers, where I thought Teddy Bridgewater battled in that game. Uh, there was one play where he escaped a blitz and hit Curtis Samuel on this beautiful throwdown field. There was a beautiful shot to DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson is there every week. Their offense is watchable and interesting. And again, it's like you're going to get Christian McCaffrey back in this game, it sounds like. And that's a nice X factor. I think that, that, that this is an offense that can compete and hang around. But, and their defense is down. You can't really rush the passer right now, and in come the Chiefs. And if you can't really get to Patrick Mahomes and make life uncomfortable, which we've seen week after week, what? how do you hang around in a game like this? I think this might be the one where the bow breaks um, for Carolina, unless something really strange happens with turnovers or whatever. I don't love the setup, um, but I think it's mm. an interesting test for a very young team still figuring out who they are, and it's always good to go up against a team like Kansas City and find out, you know, no offense, Dan, are you last week's Jets, or are you the Raiders? Are you? Can you hang around? What are the Panthers? We'll see. You mentioned turnovers. That's 
like the cherry on top of the Sunday for Kansas City right now. They they lead the NFL in turnover margin. So on, on top of everything, they, they take the ball away. Steve Spagnuolo's defense is especially good against the pass, which is the way you want to stop Carolina. Christian McCaffrey is going to be back for this game. That's big, but it doesn't matter. I, I think this is like the start of the Patrick Mahomes, like, oh, yeah, maybe he can win the MVP award this year, too, by the end of it. It feels like... no, like Are we allowed to talk really about MVP had, now, Greg? Is that because that had been ruled I, out I'm by just you saying, a few weeks earlier? Yeah, that was four or five weeks. I still think it's a little early, but okay. what I would say is like, you know, they're talking about it in the, de- you know, in the desert. I feel like no one's paying attention to Mahomes. Now might be the time to get in. He's thrown 21 touchdowns in one interception this year. Yeah. You know, just on, on a team, like, on a that's team the problem. that, right, on a team that has a very easy schedule. Uh, and it's going to continue being easy moving forward for the most part, especially against opposing defenses. So I think he's just going to have more games like the Jets uh, game a week ago, and this would be the week to do it. Yes, the Panthers get back Gross Matos up front, which is good. I liked how he looked early in the year. Uh, but there's no reason to think the Panthers' defense, who hasn't forced the punt since week six, is going to do anything against this team. It smells like a 40-burger. Yeah, they didn't – I mean, the Panthers didn't close in the sense that they weren't able to go down the field – uh, on that last drive on Thursday night against the Falcons, but they got outplayed straight up uh, yep. by an Atlanta no, team that played so poorly earlier this season that they got their coach fired. And listen, I was I was mocked on the show three weeks ago for saying, "Oh, the Panthers aren't the greatest gift to football." Uh, this is going to be a, this is an up and <laughs> down. This is going to be an up and down team, just like I thought. And uh, they were going to hang in games and maybe be ready next year. I'm glad you guys came around to the old Zeuser on this one. Wait a minute. A, you were not m- mocked is like absurdly strong, and you know that. You, you, like, a you bit of basically set up a. On. No, you set up He's a just strong. Mad. You, you act like, oh, you, like, you're, like, you guys think that I don't love Matt Rule, like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we, 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 we are correct. <laughs> Did Matt you say Rule Vince Lombardi is or a Matt great Rule? Coach. I missed that. No, Matt Rule is a great coach. I, you have to say that the Panthers, no one's saying that they're a playoff know. team. They have overachieved. They have he doesn't like Matt Rule because the Jets said, no, we won't let Bingo. you hire your own coaching staff. We're going to control your coaching staff. And if Matt Rule was in New York right now, Sam Darnold would not be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I really believe I had that. a chance. My team had a chance to hire Vince Lombardi at age 38. And I let him out, get out the door. So I'm, I'm dealing with that. You're right. Uh, what am I going to do without Matt Rule around for the next 20 years? See, you are mo- you're the one mocking. We're not mocking. You're the mocker. All right, let me get back on point. We are the let mockies. Me get up, let's get okay. back on point here. There's no more points. Uh, all right, Teddy. Uh, I want to see how Teddy plays in this game. That was a nasty hit also against the Falcons to the head and neck area. It was an illegal hit. Um, it sounds like he's okay. Uh, I'd like to see him have a, a nice week here. And and maybe I know, but you're not going to hang with Mahomes, right? You're just not going to hang yeah. out with Mahomes in a shootout. And I'm with you, Greg. Like he is going to continue to have monster weeks uh, because he was held down by some things that were out of his control earlier in the season. And I think it's just takeoff time. I think this game is going to get ugly. I think we're on the same page. I'm with you. All right, Mark. It's snakes to you, my friend. Well, it snakes to me, and I'm not claiming that this is uh, where like a like a bona fide GM would go next with his selection. But we have to look at our Sundays and how we organize them. There's one more four o'clock hour game. If you live on the East Coast, it's the one o'clock to us. I'm going Pittsburgh at Dallas. Okay. This has all. Sometimes I like to just see you know ugliness unfurl in great 
uh, measure. And Pittsburgh <laughs> is a team that is set up to absolutely drop an atomic bomb on Dallas. It's not fair to Cowboys fans because I think about a month ago they thought, we have issues on defense, but we have one of the most electrifying offenses in all of it was, football. They were fun. Everything. They were totally fun. In fact, I mean, I think if you want to look at the fantasy angle, if you haven't been dumping Cowboys players off your roster the past couple of weeks, what are you doing? I had a bunch of them, and you you got to move them. you got to move them off that roster. And now you're looking at Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. And I, I would imagine, you know, they talked about it being a decision they'll make as late as possible. Cooper Rush has been part of the organization in the past. You know, Kellen Moore knows him well. Not so much Mike McCarthy, but they signed him for a reason. They seem to like him in the past. Garrett Gilbert was pulled off of Cleveland's practice squad. So I'm thinking, unless you want to do something really weird, like play both of them series after series, that's what I would do. Throw everyone off. Get really funky. Maybe run the single wing. And, you know, just do something that no one's expecting. Otherwise, Hmm. this sets up as total destruction. Pittsburgh's pass rush versus this offensive line. This could be like a 50-7 to type of breathe easy game for the Steelers. Right. I mean, in, in Dan's old words, it doesn't matter. I mean, you no. can't, they can't protect. It doesn't matter who's that quarterback. It'll probably be Rush. I mean, what, what does it matter? They, they chose Ben DiNucci over Rush to start this year, though. So, I mean, that kind of shows you where C- Cooper Rush was at. He was on the Ben roster, DiNucci never starts another game years. in my building. <laughs> I know. Poor Danucci. I mean, hey, hey, it, maybe it's not his fault that your offensive line, they can't block three, they can't block four. Mm-hmm. When the Steelers want to blitz, you're definitely not going to block five. It really doesn't matter. The Steelers' defense will be able to do whatever they want. I am curious, I guess, if the, the Cowboys' defense is going to build on what they did a week ago where they had by far their best game of the year. I mean, Van Der Esch did look a little spicy. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence has definitely come on in a couple the last couple weeks, so... You know, can the Cowboys defense get respectable? Because otherwise, you're right, it's going to be a 30, 40 point margin in this game. I was going to say, you know, every year there's always going to be, obviously, one game that's the biggest blowout of the year. Everyone kind of circled Jets at Kansas City last week, which was ugly, but didn't get to that. Um, you know, apocalyptic level. This could be it because of everything that's going against the Cowboys right now, the amount of bad vibes in that building, uh, the quarterback situation where this is, depending how you look look at it, it's going to be their fourth or fifth string quarterback starting against arguably the best defense in the league. You put all that together uh, and the fact that the Steelers can score points of their own on offense, we, we could be staring at a 50-burger game uh, that you know maybe mm. takes Mike McCarthy one step closer to the coaching uh, graveyard. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but the only thing I guess I would say from the Steelers' end of things is that uh, ben Roethlisberger in the passing game can go to sleep for stretches. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, the only thing that keeps us from a blowout is that the offense, the passing offense, is a little out of sync and it keeps the Steelers from just going absolutely mad here. Well, from the Steelers, I'm resting my players that are a little banged up. Tyson Alualu, right. that's one of the reasons they didn't, you know, protect, uh, you know, stop the run last week is hurt. There's a couple other players that are hurt. It's like, sit him down this week. They should have gotten Romo out of here, though. Hashtag save Romo. I mean, uh, I, I tend to draft the Romo game. I think I've had it five or six times. It's like, I can't even take it this week. Why, why do they have Romo in this game? Give me a break. <laughs> well, that's fair. I and, guess this and is like the number Mark's- one rating matchup possible, but forget it. Uh, well, uh, before we move on to Mark's original point, the fantasy point, all the cowboy, all the people that had the Cowboys, you had one week. It was after Dak's leg broke, 
and before Dalton started, when there was a, a sense that maybe they could continue to be a functional offense with Dalton. But then once Dalton went down in flames in that primetime game, it was basically lights out. So now you're going down with the ship. You're, it's a, the, the, the band from the orchestra from the Titanic at this point, if you still have Cowboys skill players on your roster. Uh, all right, that brings us to the old Zeuser. Oh, God, I love when the old Zeuser's up in the draft. Uh, he does such a great job with his picks. What is going on? All right, Detroit at Minnesota is my pick. I like this game. like it. Minnesota, a little feisty. They made me look bad earlier this season because I liked them a lot. I said they had a, a very high floor. I, I thought they were as uh, close to a lock to 10-6 and six as any team in the NFC. I obviously ignored what were major issues. Uh, on their team, which was you know, first and foremost the defense. What I didn't see was Kirk Cousins turning into, uh, as Greg pointed out last week, Jameis Winston part two. Still don't really know how that happened. I guess the loss of Stefan Diggs played a role, but just, Justin Jefferson's been awesome as a rookie. So all this stuff going on in my head, swimming in my head about the Vikings, I can't totally put them to bed. I I, I don't want to give up the dream I'm that this you. is a team that is going to be in the mix. Maybe they're not going to get to the floor that I thought, which was 10-6, and six, but they'll be playing relevant football in December. It starts right mm. here, though. Go beat the Lions in your building. I don't have any faith in the Lions, and they're dealing with COVID-related issues this week to top things off. So the Vikings have a chance now to build off what was a really nice win against the Packers at Lambeau Field, where Dalvin Cook went absolutely mad. I don't think uh, they're going to have trouble moving the ball again this week, and I like them a lot in this game. What do you boys think? Hmm. Thought you guys, I think the, I thought you were going to lock it up there. Huh? Already yeah, did you, it. You, you sounded passionate. I mean, I think the, the win over Green Bay was the kind of win to shut someone like me up because I've been the opposite of you, Dan. Obviously, I've been down on the Vikings for a long time. Um, and it looked good, but I have to, I have, I, I'm with you. I think that there's some fight here. And, and any team that can run the ball the way they are right now, you know, let Cook cook. How about let Dalvin Cook Ooh. just keep doing this down the stretch? Forget about this Kirk Cousins business. The, the two games they've won with Kirk Cousins, he has passed the ball 22 times and last week against Green Bay 14 times. I think that's what they want to do. And why not? Because that's paired with really, really great performances on the ground. And there's no reason you can't do that with Detroit. And with the Stafford thing, you know, it adds to the layer of mess that so many teams are dealing with right now. And I, I would, I'd like a better answer from certain players and coaches on, you know, if you don't practice all week and you're, you know, you're just attending meetings over Zoom, I don't know. How much of an impact does that have in week nine if you're a quarterback or a, a skill position player? I, I still think it matters a lot. I mean, we don't have these practices from 1985 where it's full contact, but it's chemistry, it's it's scout team, it's the whole situation. So to me, that's an impact, and that's a big advantage for the Vikings. Right. I, I think that, like, the for instance, the Broncos last week, it's like they never practiced their red zone and third down plays and you know the NFL is kind of dancing through the raindrops right now trying to get these games happening 10 teams this week have COVID related issues Stafford's the starting quarterback that's that's out um, of practice uh, but to be clear it you know the timeline that we've seen in terms of being out five days because he was a close contact means he could start in this game and at, at this point I think it's cautiously uh, expected to start but I'm with you Dan I had the Vikings winning regardless uh, it, I think these two teams have two Jenga pieces. 
One of them's Kenny Galladay, and he's out with a hip injury. This Lions offense is just mediocre without Galladay stretching the field. He, he is such a great receiver. They just don't have enough juice otherwise. And then Dalvin Cook's the other one. He, he's the other running back that matters. I mean, they're just a different offense. You guys have spelled it out. Uh, but I, I think that Gary Kubiak like zone running scheme has kind of taken hold quietly. They just need to be in game situations, game scripts where they're not trailing by 20, which has happened to them a few times because of Cousins. This should not be one of those weeks. We like Mike Zimmer here at the ATN Podcast. He's a good coach. I give him credit because when you trade Yannick Ngakwe, that's sending a message to the locker room that your organization has quit on the season. Team didn't quit uh, on the coach against the Packers and my the stat of the they're week. They're going to go seven and nine, don't you think? They're going to go seven and yeah. nine. Like I'm win, not giving up the ghost, Greg. I can't. I, I think okay. Kirk seven Cousins, and nine is good for him right now. No, you know, but that I think means they win yeah. a lot. Probably because I think Kirk Cousins, the way he's playing this year, will probably kill them one or two more times, and that could be the difference between seven and nine and a nine and seven uh, comeback. But uh, Dalvin Cook, 111 of his 163 rushing yards were after contact last week against the Packers. He is a superstar. All right, Greg, you're up. All right. Uh, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going with Jake Luton's first start. Is it Luton? Who really knows? He's playing uh, for the Jaguars, and uh, he's playing against the Texans. And uh, my strategy is to get the game I don't really want to watch that much in my backup window early. That's how uh, I do it. Good strategy. And this is, this, good strategy. This, it's like I don't, I don't need to watch Luton on Game Pass. Prove me wrong. Maybe they will. Maybe he will um, because they really liked him in camp. They talked about him in the same way they kind of talked about Minshew last year, and they were right about Minshew. Uh, being better than you'd ever expect a late-round rookie to be. I believe uh, in my soul, more than anything, that Luton was starting this game whether Minshew got hurt or not. If you saw the Ian Rappaport uh, report a couple weeks ago, how they were thinking of benching Minshew, it only makes sense to do it for another young guy. Uh, and then Marone said early in the bye, in their bye week that we're going to shake some things up. I mean, that to me telegraphed that you're making a change at quarterback. And so they were curious enough to see Luton play despite Minshew playing okay. I don't think anyone's saying that he was a disaster. So I think they're thinking this is a great matchup here. They're playing the Texans. Texans have more COVID issues than anyone. They're going to be without Jacob Martin, their linebacker. They're going to be without Whitney Merciless, who on Thursday uh, was deemed a close contact. He's out. So this game of all the games is one I think you have to watch to make sure it, it even happens. But if it does, there should be a lot of points. Two I'm, lousy defenses. I, I'm really rooting hard here for the Jags uh, for Jets purposes. I need the Jags to get that second W. Houston has Deshaun Watson, so they're going to stumble into three or four wins. So I'm not worried about them. So go Jags. I'm also going to get all in, Sessler, on Lutonity. Uh, because, you know, the, the Gardner Minshew <laughs> thing, I, I missed that train. And that seemed like it was a fun ride while it lasted. Well, I'm going to be the, I'm the a- first one on the Jake the Snake Lutonity train. Uh, I'm all in on his abilities to be like right. the second coming of Minshew mania. Uh, it's like when Johnny Doe replaced Dirk Diggler and Boogie Nights. It's like that feeling of like this. He's the same guy. He's a late round pick that had a spunky college career. And uh, you know what? Why not get on the train and see where it takes me? Lutonity. Well, you know, so 
I'll play your role in this relationship and, you know, throw little jabs at Lutonity and Luton every chance I get. I think that, Greg, number one, you are absolutely right. When when Ian is putting out a report that, you know, they want to see what they have and, and Minshew's, you know, heading towards the bench for another six-rounder, to me, I don't think it's, hey, maybe we have a future starter. It's, hey, we have a chance to go get Trevor Lawrence. So let's get Minshew out of here, who is, you know, Ooh. they're losing with him, but he's a little too frisky. And for all this, he has a great arm, Jake Luton business. I went and looked at some stuff, scouting reports coming out of Oregon Whoa. State. He's six foot Whoa. six. Let's he's two twenty four. He's that. one of these. Well, no, because I because I wanted to find out what was going on here. It, it struck he me as around. suspicious. He was basically labeled as a non-deep passer, game manager, good ball security, not a guy who can scramble he's or like make Minshew. plays with the run. No, but Minshew can at least give you, like, on the ground. Minshew is, has escapability. He can move a little bit. He's probably created stuff when nothing's there more than people would expect. I don't think that's the case here. I think that they're going with a lower wattage quarterback, and I think that Jet, that Dan, they are looking at your Jets team and saying, we want the Jets to sneak a few wins here because you. this is two teams saying we can change our franchise if we get Trevor Lawrence, and they're right in that zone. So you go with the lower wattage guy. Do you guy think they're trying to lose? Heroics. I don't think they're trying. I, d- I definitely do. I definitely do. But I think maybe the way they operate, they even told Marone, it's, you're not on the hot seat. You're part of this. Or maybe they just said it with their eyes. Maybe it's not done for, maybe it's not, you know, done with, it, it's, maybe it's not, you know, something, that there, there's no words. There's no, it's not been overheard by a, anyone bugging the building, Greg. I'm not trying to be a go down conspiracy right. avenue again. I just think that Minshew was a little too dangerous for them not to get, to, at this case, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm I think they want to see it. this guy. I think they like him. They want to see him. Jay Gruden. Whenever there's wherever Jay Gruden goes, little whispers to the media follow. You kind of notice these things. So I think That's he true. likes Jay Luton for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the the Texans have the worst run defense in the league. James Robinson might go off. I know the Texans are heavy favorites here, but I'm not trusting the Texans uh, as heavy favorites until All I right. see it. I, I feel like this is a coin flip. Yeah. All right. We've done a lot of talking to one and six teams. Let's move on. Snake it, Greg. <laughs> oh, baby. Um, not totally ready for that. Uh, but I'll pick a game that I truly love, that I love it so much I almost want it in my number one slot. It's the Falcons and the Broncos. Oh. There's just sometimes... Sometimes teams are just like my team, like teams I'm like surprisingly enjoying watching. The Dolphins would be one of those teams this year. The Broncos and the Falcons qualify. The Falcons drive you crazy. They have really turned their season around since firing Dan Quinn and getting Julio Jones back. They've won two out of three. If Todd Gurley had just fallen down, we'd be talking about a three-game winning streak. The The Broncos have won two out of three. A little bit lucky last week since Drew Locke returned, but I do think they're frisky, and this is a, a big game for them. They can get back to 500. They can get back to relevant. Uh, Drew Locke had seven absolutely miserable quarters, and I think he fell into that win, uh, and I think the Chargers collapsed a little more than he made consistent plays. Um, but this is a beatable matchup uh, against Atlanta. Go on the road, get a win with your solid defense, get these playmakers involved on turf against a bad defense, and go get to 500. I mean, Albert uh, Okui Boonham, I think I got it right there. He looks like one of the best uh, young tight ends we've seen come out in a while. He's a fourth or fifth round pick, and him next to Fant, who's, who looks a little banged up to me, doesn't have the same explosiveness. But that's they got a fun little team if they can just get Locke not blowing it. That's my big that's, concern. Carry that water. I go with Albert O. 
I go with Albert O because I know that that is infallible and I know that that is correct <laughs> to some degree as well. I mean, to me, I, you know, Greg, I like what I like what Drew Locke did at the end of last week, but they have had some slow starts. They are 30th in DVOA on offense. That has to do with, you know, the junk that was going on when Locke was hurt as well. But if this is your game, the Falcons are 29th against the pass in DVOA. So it's like come out firing. For once, be the sum of your parts. Because the thing about Denver that interests you is they have all this young talent. They have this speed. A guy like Albert O, who we weren't even talking about in August, is a huge factor. So let's put it all together against a team that you should be able to beat here if we should take mm. you seriously. I struggle to take Denver seriously, but I'm with you. They're fun to watch. And so I'd like to have them hang around for the sake of not another team that goes into the trash compactor as we head into mid-November. I don't need that. Falcons are a good two-win team, though. Falcons could easily have four or five. Yeah, why are we acting like the Falcons are this team that should be easily dispatched? They're playing hard. We just saw them beat the Panthers pole to pole uh, on Thursday night. And I'm with where I'm at of the Broncos. Show me it. Yeah, show me it again. That's all. You're down down 24-3 in the third quarter, and then the Chargers going to charge her. And I don't want to take away from the Broncos because that was a great fourth quarter um, for Locke in the offense. Locke went 14 of 18 for 155 yards and three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's awesome. That's exactly the type of like quarter you want to see from a young quarterback you believe in because he's showing you something. He's flashing. But if he goes to Atlanta and follows it up with another, you know, performance that is a, a meh or worse performance, then you lose that juice. But yeah, to what you guys are saying, build off that win. Uh, and then maybe we could start getting a little excited. Greg's already there. I get it. Greg's, Greg and Wes and other people in the football cognates and the... <laughs> That's a bit said a bit differently that time. <laughs> have been excited about the Broncos for weeks and you got your little cookie against the Chargers. Well, now let's see if this is going to go next level. Let's get a whole cake. Let's get a whole <laughs> bunch of desserts. Uh, all right. One game, right? One One remaining game. Poor Shook. It's on a good Sunday, one. On Sunday night, uh, I'm just going to, hey, Nick, and I need you to grab uh, Giants <laughs> at, at Washington, bud. And he's going to shrug his shoulders and it's like, all right, man. Love Nick Shook. He's salt of the earth. He'll he'll say yes, but I wonder if inside he's slightly annoyed. Man, what a year. What a what an ad Shook has been. We're, uh, unfortunately, without Wes uh, for long stretches of the season as he continues his cancer fight, and we love you, Wes, uh, and, and we hope to get him back soon. But Shook has been a huge value ad. Uh, he's done a great I job every also, Sunday night. Read his weekly top 10 columns uh he goes through a variety mm. of you know positional rankings and, and this week it was like the most disruptive players on defense not like in a locker room not personality wise <laughs> i mean he did a, he does a great job with these so uh you know shook and is, go find like kyle allen of this season you know shook <laughs> just brings immediate energy he might fumble the ball a couple times but uh you know bring some fun to it well why you gotta I throw in the fumbles, too many fumbles there what, what is yeah, that about <laughs> I just wanted to. I just want to get a text from Shook that's like, "Why are you calling me Kyle?" Allen? <laughs> Shook's like one. Of, remember, like every every once in a while, you see some viral thing of like a seven year old that has as a bodybuilder. I, I I'm convinced there there's photos of Shook when from like 1999, and he's completely jacked. I think that's a thing. All right. I think you're right because his dad is a is a jacked gentleman as well. So I think it's been in the family like for a while. I don't think Shook just started lifting weights like two months before he showed up in Los Angeles. Jack bros. All right, let's get into Giants at Washington. Uh, Greg, what do you think about this game? I like watching, watching the Washington football team more 
than I anticipated. Because I, I think Scott Turner's offense is pretty creative. They've been better with Kyle Allen. He's definitely going to give you a chance to you know turn the ball over a couple times, but at least the ball moves. And Antonio Gibson is just a powerful runner. They they have guys who can make plays. Terry McLaurin, I think, is a future star if he's not there already. They have Chase Young. They have Montez Sweat. You know, their secondary, their defense is it's a pretty good defense. And so I I kind of trust them in this game. I know they lost to the Giants a few weeks ago. Uh, it was really based on the turnovers that Allen had. That was his first start. But they at least have some players that can win one on one. The Giants to me just don't have the juice. They're well coached, but they don't have the players. I, you know, one thing on Antonio Gibson and Scott Turner, and we always, you know, I always talk about Kyle Shanahan, son of a coach, but Scott Turner, obviously the son of Norv Turner, and he's been around for a really long time. And he was the one, if, from what I read, that really pushed for Antonio Gibson. And it was someone with not a large sample size as a running back in college. It wasn't the same way with like Bryce Love, who, you know, had massive carries and attempts and touches. They projected him as sort of a Christian McCaffrey type. Now, I'm not sure that's the case, but he has been impactful. And you're right. Washington has pieces that you can look into the future. And if they right, get that they find the right quarterback, there's something going on there. I, I don't think the Giants, though, are a, a gigantic mess. They're, in, to, to the sense that their defense, to me, is playing above water, better than what I thought. And I know, They're Greg, I know that you know, I know that Daniel Jones at some point burned down like your childhood home, and they might need to find a new quarterback at some point here. But they have other things going on. In I'm New a York fan. That I, I was a fan. I'm frustrated, and I just thought that that performance. Granted, it's an island game; the whole country's watching. I just thought people were kind of underplaying how it was one of the worst games any quarterbacks played all year, maybe the worst. And so that, when that it's was coming it. off the it, it was it's coming off the game where he did the trip and it's like the problem for him is like you start to play yourself out of well, people's the, 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 you know, tri- the eye of the beholder business on national TV. Right, right. The trip game was an island game as well and that's just I think he now it's well pile on game, time. Though, overall. Yeah. And he I know you didn't like that last drive uh, against uh, a very good defense. It was luck. It was luck. Whatever. I mean, we're, I mean, I don't want to pull the you never played card, but he hung, he made yeah. the throws and he made the plays and scored. But, but he I, didn't. I'll say this. He had, he, they, they called a perfect play on the two-point conversion That's that fair. I think all 31 other quarterbacks, it, it was his first read, just throw the ball, and that, and that was emblematic to me of the whole night. I get it. And if you have doubts about Daniel Jones, it is totally fair. Uh, but the, yeah, I, uh, the Giants defense has been okay it's been pretty good this year and the Washington these are two teams like who's going to potentially catch the Eagles in the NFC East it's one of these two teams most likely I think it's neither of them I think it's the Eagles that are going to limp uh, to a division win uh, but I guess you, if you squint you can make a case for one of these teams I would if to pick if I had to pick between two of them it would be Washington because the defense is a little higher ceiling and if Kyle Allen could be okay Maybe they can get on a little run there, but I don't. This is a hard game to get excited about. At the end of the day, it is. There is one little nugget <laughs> from this Washington team that I don't think we mentioned in our show that Ron Rivera last week appeared to have his last uh, treatment for his cancer situation. He rang the bell. Which is awesome. I mean, to, for him to go through what he's gone through, and for our show, we all know that that means a lot more. But um, I mean, this is a guy that never once complained about it. And being a head coach already shuts you out from your family, from regular life, from everything. I mean, these guys already do these hours that are insane. So to put to tack that on and get through it and have us talk about Washington as a team that is still maybe has a chance in this division is impressive. Well, Rivera brings good vibes, you know, and I think that's important for Washington 
This has been one of the most depressing franchises for a while. Uh, you know, not a team that seemed like they were together, happy. Like, this team seems to be, like, pulling for each other. They like playing for Rivera. All of his teams do. I think that matters. I think it's going to help him this year. Good call. Well said, gentlemen. There you go. That is the preview of Week 9. Make sure you tune in on Sunday night where we recap each of the games we just laid out here. And... um that's what we call the flagship show, Mark. That's that's how we branded it. I mean, that's Sunday you know, night show. you you tweeted about the other day. I put out a tweet with an actual flagship um, that a bunch of people came at me saying, "Listen, that's some some video taken from a video game." I'm 47. <laughs> I don't care where it came. I don't know what video game it came from, but I do know what a flagship is historically. Please. All right, good. And check out our mini pod uh, recapping Thursday night football: Packers, Niners. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, and the whole gang. Until Sunday. into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.